in our idealistic view of life, we cannot deny the different aspects or different levels of human minds. We cannot deny that people have got desires. When we forget our own true blissful nature and identify with something which is finite, <coughs> that burning sense of hunger, thirst, that we have to acquire more and more to feel complete is what is called as desire. And yet the delusion is such that we think by adding more and more finite things, we can make ourselves complete or whole. Even in our desires, what we are desiring really is a sense of completeness, wholeness, a sense of fulfillment. But anything that is finite and limited, as much as you add on, it will only be finite. And we can see that no completeness, no fullness, no satisfaction can be gained from finite. This is quite sensible. Yet, in our ignorance, an ignorance-born delusion, we mistake the temporary pleasures of the world to be the happiness that we are seeking. Thus, we all have got various desires. And these already existing desires in us, our mind gets compelled to fulfill them or attain them. The very word fulfill we say because the expectation is of fulfillment. Thus we've got many, many desires. When we identify with the body, we have got not only certain desires, we have some so-called essential needs also. Now, if I am the body, then I have to sustain the body. Because if I don't sustain the body, I am no longer existent. And I don't want to be non-existent. Because I am existence. So you see, this is what creates all the desires. But when the desires are there in our mind, they color our intellect in such a, uh, in a, our mind in such a way, which then veils our intellect that without this desire, I cannot be happy. 
Without this desire, I cannot be fulfilled. Without this desire, in fact, I can't live also. Now, desires can be fulfilled by wrong means also and by right means. <coughs> wrong means which will not be harmful. Right means, uh, wrong means which will be harmful to us and right means which will not be harmful. For example, <coughs> You like something in the shop and you want it. You can work, earn money and purchase it or you go there and steal it. You purchase it, you enjoy it but there is no contrary result in the world. But if you steal it and you get it, what will happen? There could be contrary results. For example, you are given a test or an examination. You study and answer what you know or you cheat, copy. Now, even if you are not caught, in the future, if you have copied and passed your examination, what will happen? That degree is really speaking of no effective use to you. So, you see, contrary results. Therefore, the Vedas and the bulk of the Vedas means bulk of the books of knowledge and the book of knowledge that teaches us the right way of action, dharma and which teaches us what is the reality or truth, brahma. They have given us various methods of action. What you call as your worship or rituals, they are all some very specific and certain very effective forms of action. Today we do not understand the power of them. All said and done. The West has picked up the essential and they have started using it in all their so-called management and development programs. In the evening sessions, we will tell you something, how these various pujas and yagyas, I'll explain here also, how they help, how do they affect us. Because we go into all these explanations now. But these are certain methods by which properly, rightly, means in dharma as advised by the wise and the scriptures, when we act or do any action and we do it as prescribed by them, therefore in that there will be no contrary results.
This is called fulfilling your desires in dharma, in the right way. The bulk of the Vedas are giving us various methods by which we can fulfill these desires, including the attainment of a world, of a birth, which is free of hunger, thirst, disease and sorrow, relatively, and that's what we call as heaven. Whether we create such a comfortable world here or we aspire to go to such a world. And such a world gained by action can only be temporary because the cause itself is temporary. And therefore the heaven also that is prescribed by many of these priests in religion, not the great masters really speaking. Because that is all that is tangible to us. More pleasures, more joys, more comforts, more luxuries. And that is what we think will give us happiness. And therefore aspiring for heaven, these various different forms of action, which today we in a common term called as rituals. But now that I have explained you the term, these various rituals that were to be performed in the Vedas for fulfilling this desire or that desire and the highest that you can attain through these forms of worship or rituals is heaven. But that is also a state of return. And therefore, it is not a permanent state of happiness. And that is what is promised by all these people with their flowery speech that there is nothing more than that, that alone. We have also applied it in our present day conditions that how in these advertisements we are given a dream of heaven that if you get this and therefore we desire it, for that we slog, we work. We can work rightly, we can work wrongly. If we work rightly, we do get the pleasures, but they are only temporary. <coughs> and this is what they promise. The very Vedas point out to us that even all these karmas, and Vedas, they are called as karmas only. They are actions only. Means all these worships or rituals, when they are done with nishkama bhavna, when they are done without desire. Now, why will you do it without desire? Which means not a desire for a particular pleasure, not a desire for a particular heaven, but free of desires of all these things with an aspiration for something even higher than that. And therefore, when it is done without any desire for these fruits that are 
pointed out for these actions and this now applies to all actions not only the vedic ritualistic actions but also our day to day actions of our profession or our interaction with the world when we do these actions there's always to get some pleasure at the in the end but when they are done with nishkamna bhavana means without desire for these finite pleasures but for a higher goal the highest of course being attainment of the supreme they give purification of the mind that's why it says yuddhaya yujjaswa you work for the sake of work but when at this moment we say work for the sake of the work we say then what why do i work for so work for a higher goal not for the immediate results of these action because action has got a higher purpose so when you work with nishkama bhavana nishkama means without desire then that very action helps to integrate your mind and intellect because what divorces your mind and intellect is desire when your mind and intellect integrate to work in unison this is called as buddhi yoga what happens is the existing desires and vasnas are exhausted and you don't incur any more such a mind freed from the pressure of these likes dislikes and desires such a mind then becomes the quiet contemplative mind and such a calm contemplative mind then is fit for knowledge sankhya see and through the knowledge that i am infinite and not this finite limited entity and therefore i don't need or want these finite things to complete me such a person becomes free and not dependent on the world this is a complete picture of the twofold path so karma yoga means doing your actions but without kamna without desire immediately the question comes but how obviously it's going to be explained but when we do with this spirit even the vedic yagyas the karmas or today we call them as rituals or we do the puranic pujas the various forms of worship 
or we do certain specific activities that are recommended by the smritis etc which is like charity social work all these things even in those we always have some expectations what do i get out of it i may not want wealth from it but do i get recognition or not even when that is there you are trying to get something out of it when you are trying to get something out of it your mind desires whether you say name fame etc it will be disturbed it will react and you will incur only more vasnas which was earlier called as papa see this picture becomes clear to you therefore bhagwan says buddhi yoga and here bhagwan what is condemning or rather warning us against not even condemn warning against being carried away by these elaborate forms of worship and when i say worship means even in this world these elaborate forms of action look at how for parties for enjoyment how much and yet you are here without any of those things are you enjoying yourself or not Yes. You know why I keep telling people? See, even when they come for gyan yagyas, they do enjoy, they do learn, they do benefit. Yet they have their house to go back to, their comforts, their luxuries, their comfort zone. What was the main thing that I discovered when I spent this long time in these? retreats or camps or especially the marathon camps we came with none of our comforts and luxuries as i told you that time we were sleeping on the ground we were not even given a mattress we had never been to an ashram we didn't know what an ashram is so we actually came with one briefcase at least i did with two pairs of clothes and one pant and shirt you know I mean, two pairs kurta pajamas and pant and shirt, and that every day we washed, we wore. Really speaking, we had none of the comforts and luxuries we had at home. Having cold water baths, eating bengan and potatoes. <laughs> and yet, none of us wanted to leave from here. Like already, all of you have started. Can I extend my trip? And you were told that no, but there is no room available. But that was happening with us. And even after one and a half month, nobody wanted to go back. That time, Guruji Swami Tejavanti was the acharya here, and we couldn't go up to Gurudev to extend the trip. I mean, extend the camp. We know it, it would not be possible. This itinerary is made two years in advance. Then it's not just not out of sentiments. You say, okay, okay, no, let's carry on a little bit. An epilogue. <laughs> <laughs> he won't do that. So we went up to him and said that, please, 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 can you tell Gurudev to extend the camp? He said, first you don't want to come for camp. Now you want the camp to be extended. First you think, oh, one and a half months is too much, and now you want even more. Why? And unanimously we said, this type of peace and happiness 
which does not come from the pleasures of the world because we didn't have any of the pleasures of the world or the least amount of pleasures. Even in food, if from Dharamsala, we now and then got some bananas. That time nothing was available. This was a hilly area. Got some bananas. That was a, a treat. And if somebody managed to get us some sambosas from there, from one of the dhabas, even though next day we had stomach problems, it was like... <laughs> after two breaks that we had, forget even going out to get any sambosas or bananas. We felt that even that was a disturbance in the bliss that we were feeling. Therefore, we read my books. I always call this place as the Valley of Bliss. Without all these things, you can be so happy. And once your mind sees that, then for what? Kim Ichan Kasya Kamaya Shariram Anuswanjarit It's from the highest standpoint, the Upanishads say, that what are we struggling day and night, feeling disappointed, anxious, stressed to have more and more and more? If without all this, we can be happy. We are doing all the actions here, but we are not doing it for to get something. In doing that action also, you find such joy. Not from the pay you get out of it. Not from the, what to say, essential pleasures that you can get as a result of it. If only our mind can see that clearly, then work is not necessary for just getting these pleasures. And happiness is not gained from that. Without all of this, if you can be happier and feel the sense of happiness, then tell me. Now don't tell me. Swamiji, then we desire the camp. <laughs> so you desire to come to the camp which shows you that it is not by desires that you get happiness. And when that hits you, then you remain in the camp only. Become a brahmachari. <laughs> so, having understood this, now the following verses will become very clear. Now, therefore Bhagwan now advises, that Bhagwan is now advising that even the religious practices and that I said in every religion. Majority of the people even go to the places of worship and whatever are the rituals there, don't condemn only the elaborate rituals of Hinduism. Every place has its own method of worship. Even if it's just a simple prayer. But in all those prayers, what are we doing? Give me this, give me this, give me this. 
And then the practical man of the world says, why are you wasting and praying to God for it? Go work and get what you want. See here. And you hear all these things. Wasting time. That much more time if you were doing work, at least you would make an extra income. What is this praying God or worshipping God? You know how practical man says in this world. I don't know how practical they are, but they think themselves to be very practical. <laughs> Warning us against falling into this type of and thinking ourselves to be very, very pure. And pure is not by going and putting some vibhuti or chandan or wearing your cap like this or growing a beard or, or, uh, or even wearing different colors, clothes or whether you go to this place for worship or there for a bath or whether you go here to pray or you go to that religion to there. The purity of mind is the mind free of its desires, its selfishness, its ego. If that is not attained through the prayers, worship, etc., then what we are attaining from it is something finite and limited. Its purpose given by the great masters is something totally different. And this is what Krishna is warning against. He is not saying don't do these worship, but do these worship for the right reasons. Do it properly so that whatever benefit that occurs from it is for your development, for reaching the highest. Thank you for tuning in to this episode by the Chinmaya Mission. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing. If you're looking for exceptional and detailed content on the Bhagavad Gita and how Lord Krishna's advice to Arjuna is relevant to the hurdles you face today, or understanding your mind, or explanations on Hindu scriptures in easy-to-understand English, the Chinmaya Mission YouTube channel is the place to be. All links are in the description.